Listener Production. Today's edition of Footy Talk, we chat to Nick Rewalt and look at what the key forwards can do to stop these key defenders dominating the competition at the moment. We look into the mid-season rookie draft and is it time for a mid-season trade period? And how can we stamp out staging in the game of AFL? That's all up next on Footy Talk. It's Footy Talk on this Tuesday, the 30th of May, where you get your daily dose of footy news, analysis and interviews from the world of AFL. And as it is every Tuesday morning, I'm joined by my good mate, Nick Rewald. He's just had a little freshen up down in, uh, where have you gone? Down somewhere near Mexico. You're looking good, bro. Oh, yeah, what, looking Mexican or what? A, no, what just like a tan, really refreshed. You look yeah, happy. Yeah, it was good. L- long weekend here, Joey. Memorial Day, long weekend, which I guess is... The uh, equivalent of Anzac Day, so uh, a day of uh, day of remembrance and thanks here for our servicemen and women. Women. Um, so yeah, long weekend. Uh, just got down to the ranch and uh, got back in town. Now last week of school here as well, so uh, kids are very excited. I'm sure you're pumped too to have three months at home with the boys, yep. finding Can't a way wait. to entertain, entertain them Can't every day. Uh, looking forward to it. Hey, we'll get straight into it because there's plenty of footy news. We know there was a few upsets over the weekend. There's been a bit spoken about that, but we like to sort of look at the talking points that have come out of the round and, and are doing the rounds in the media. And the first one I want to start with, and we'll get straight into it, your mate Gary Lyon, who you took to the Cobham Estate a uh, little tour the other week instead of me, but that's okay. Different story. Um, he teed off last night. It was quite funny on, on, uh, on the couch talking about the intercept defenders and how they are dominating the game like we've never seen. And he put it on the key forward mafia that you're a big part of to try and get the job done to stop these intercept defenders. Because on the weekend, we know Sicily dominated, Tom Stewart dominated, Liam Jones, Charlie Ballard, Darcy Moore the week before, and he's been doing it all year. What's your take on these intercept defenders dominating games of footy at the moment and what the key forwards in particular can do about it? You rely so much as a key forward on what's happening up the field and and I think the way some of these key defenders are playing, they've essentially got licence to not even worry about their opponents. So I'm not sure you can call it a genuine matchup anymore. I mean, the... The Carlton Collingwood game where Darcy Moore was so influential, you look at Charlie Kerno's stat line at the end of the game and he actually played a pretty solid game as well. Like he kicked goals, he had a, had a heap of touches and and um, influence on the scoreboard. So, look, I, I don't think there's a lot you can do about it if you are going to continue to try to play as a forward because that's exactly what these defenders are doing as well. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they're just trying to read the ball exactly like the key forward does. Um, unless you go down a different path and almost become like a, a defensive, like a genuine defensive forward. With, with the, we've seen them in the past, guys try to go to some of the, the more attacking halfbacks and, and play the role on those guys. I, I think it might be time for a, a defensive forward type role on the interceptors. Someone that's sole intention is to go out there, put the arm across and any time the ball is pressured up the field your teammates got it yeah we've got the footy but he's under any sort of pressure just stand next to him just Mm. lock onto him he'll take you to the ball and all your role is is to go over and compete with him in the air yeah if you've got time and you've got space and it's free flowing or you've taken a mark and you can get to a dangerous spot this is where you've got to be pretty clever 
well then, yeah, you, that's the time. That's the time and the only time you can actually play as a forward and try and get the footy. So you did that a role a few years ago. I remember late in your career doing it on Alex Rance where you were asked, and uh, I think it was quite humbling for you, to go and play as a defensive forward on Alex Rance and essentially not let him influence an intercept mark. So, I mean, you wouldn't use your oppositions or your, your key forward or your best forward, but maybe you could mm. pick a third forward to play that specific role week in, week out. Yeah, well, we used our best forward that night, Joey. Um, and uh, it's, it's the moment when I knew I was f- and my career was over when the coach came to me uh, with freckles and said, uh, off you go, you can go and play on Alex Rance, which I think I was getting set up to fail because I, I know they were looking to sort of exit me out of the club. So um, I went to Rancy and, look, I, I thought long and hard about how to play it because mm. he was in unbelievable form at the time and, and watching his tape, it was – it was pretty – the forward was almost irrelevant. He was just going and putting himself a kick and a half from the footy regardless of where his man was. So if you tried to sit back deep and hope that it got through, he, he did not care. Um, he was going to win the ball. So I, I just thought if I can if I can stay with him any time the ball is under any sort of pressure. So if it's, if it's a stoppage, I'm not moving. I'm just putting my arm across him and standing where he does and wherever he goes I'm going to go until – the ball gets out and it's and it's clear and the player with the footy has the amount of time and space to be able to make a smart decision. Then you can play as a forward and just hope that your teammates honour it and don't just blaze away and, and, and waste the footy. But, yeah, look, I, I think it's just about time because they're having such a big influence on the game now, not just in their ability to defend and win it back, but that's where you get your slingshot and go from. So it was the end of my career, Joey, but hopefully this can be the the, the start of sort of a, a, a new wave of uh, positional change and, and, and influence that the forwards can have on, in a non-traditional way. Yeah, I like it, Rue, and something that uh, we might try and track as the year goes on. Hey, the next talking point has been about staging and exaggerating contact for free kicks. Nothing new in the world of AFL. Players have been doing it for, for 100 years have you got any thoughts on how we can stamp this out or do we need to stamp it out or what the what the go is? Um, I mean, I, like, I think every player that's played the game has been guilty of it. Yes. I, I know I was, yep. of over-exaggerating contact or, um, you know, putting the arms out, you know, when, when there might not have even been a hold. So, so for a start, I was guilty of it. Everyone's guilty of it. I think the AFL have a mechanism. To, to actually embarrass players into into stopping it, and that's by fining them. But I don't think it's been used as liberally as the AFL could if, if they're serious about stamping it out. I know, like, the, the supporters don't like it and, and players don't like it when they're on the wrong end of it, but the AFL are the ones that have to stamp it out if they really want to. Yeah, I suppose the hardest thing about a fine is that you, there's technically contact there. So you're saying then you've got to adjudicate how much mm. contact was a flop and how much of it was fair and reasonable. That's where it gets tricky. I just think, for me, it's pretty simple. Umpires, if someone exaggerates contact, just don't pay the free kick. And saying, yeah. well, you you exaggerated it, so even if it might have been there, I'm not going to pay it to stop the flopping, the exaggeration. It's a bit like what we've done with the, the high yeah. tackle it, rule. It is tricky, isn't it? Because yeah. as a player, if you feel the grab, well, you want to you want to make sure the umpire knows yeah. the grab's there, and so that's why you exaggerate. So if you do it, that, so I, though, then you're less likely to get the free kick. Yeah, because yeah, it's a tricky. I one, think it's isn't like it? the, the high contact tackle rule now. The players that are trying to draw a free kick are now. The umpires are leaning towards not paying them. We spoke about Jack Inovan last week, Rui. Okay, if you're going to be a player that's going to exaggerate the high contact, we're more likely to not pay it 
to stop you doing it. And I think it's working. I think it's been going out of the game. You know, now Jack Inovan got a legitimate high tackle free kick on the weekend because he's now just playing the footy and playing it on its merit. So I think maybe the umpires, if you just say, we're not going to blow the whistle, players will eventually stop doing it. If it's important to get a goal, players will continue to do it for the next 100 years to help their team win a game. What we really need, we need blokes like you and Kane Corns, the real heavy hitters, to just start naming and shaming blokes. No, I don't, start but a I don't list. Have, I don't have a real start issue a with hit it, list. really. It's, they're getting, getting goals for their well, team. You sound like you do. No, you're you trying to win. Like I'm just saying, the, I'm putting it on the umpires, not the players. Players no, will do whatever they can to win a game of footy and to get a free kick. It's up to the umpires just not, <laughs> not to blow the whistle. Hey, uh, just a quick newsy topic, Rue. The uh, four players are going to challenge their one-game suspensions for dangerous tackles. That's Rory Laird, Jay. O'Meara, Luke Parker, Adam Chera, four pretty handy players for their respective mm. teams. I wonder if we've just gone a little bit too far with these dangerous tackles because these four, to me, aren't really the uh, tackles we were seeing at the start of the year where they were sling motions or a, a real drive or a dump. These are just yep. strong tackles where a momentum is taking place to the ground, but because there is some sort of head contact, these players are getting a weak suspension. They're going to challenge, but the challenging players so far is zero for 16 at the tribunal. So it looks like they're unlikely to get off, but I know we're erring on the side of caution. The the line is quite great at the moment, Rui. You got any thoughts on it? It's pretty tricky. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, like this was brought in for the two motion tackles and, and to me none of these had a second motion. It was all the, it was all a part of the the force of the actual ball winner contributing to uh, to to the to the tackle and to the head knock. So look I feel for the players that have been suspended because I'm not sure they could have done anything different in the circumstance other than to not tackle. Mm. Which which is you know it's not an option in our game. It, it's a it's a contact sport, it's a tackling sport. You win the ball back by tackling someone and then getting pinged. So yeah, I didn't see two motions in any of them. Um, so I feel for the guys that have been suspended. But what what did you say? Owen sixteen. Yep. Anyone that's challenged they these tackles these this year, mm. so sounds like an AFL directive that one, doesn't it? Well, you'd like to think the tribunal are independent, Rui. But uh, I'd like to think lots of things, Joey. Oh, we'll see how we go. Speaking of mm. uh, lots of things that we're liking, the Western Bulldogs. I know they hadn't uh, got beaten on the weekend by the Gold Coast Suns. Great effort to Gold Coast up in Darwin, but the dogs are flying at the moment. Really love the way they are going about it. I think they can win the premiership. I think that they've got all the all the pieces with their forward line, their midfield, and uh, and I've mentioned it a few times. They are defending so much better this year, both with some players and personnel, so the addition of Liam Jones, but their system has changed from what they've done in previous years. They're not zoning and guarding grass as much anymore. They're actually referencing an opponent, and there's intent there. There's buy-in from not just the defenders, but the midfielders. Uh, I like the way they are going. They've got a pretty good run home too, so I think they can finish top four. Your thoughts on the dogs? Yeah, oh, that that was the that was the issue for them, or at least has been the issue over the past few years, hasn't it? Is their ability to defend once the particularly when the ball goes in inside the defensive fifty, they've insulated their defensive group by having such a strong midfield. You know, when when they win field position, it means the the defense hasn't been exposed. But Jones comes in and, and bolsters them. I, I still think they've got upside with a play like Josh Bruce to to um, potentially go back into that back six. No, he did the preseason there. And he's the sort of guy that I think you could um, you could really rely on to lock in and, 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 and be a real solid sort of interceptor across half back as well. So no bit of talk about Norton going back, but I still think they've got enough options there to not break, break that glass um, and send Norton back. 
Okay, we'll take a break. I want to quickly chat after this about the mid-season rookie draft, which is tomorrow. But do we? is it now time to add a layer of the mid-season trade? We'll get to that next. But if you're listening to Footy Talk and you're listening on Spotify, hit the bell and send us a voice message on Instagram. If you have a question for us, you can hit us up on Instagram at footytalk underscore pod or on TikTok at footytalkpod. Uh, Rue, tomorrow is the mid-season rookie draft. We think there'll be maybe about 15 to 17 players selected in that. Basically, the best players playing state league footy at the moment who will get an opportunity on an AFL list. But I think we both agree it's now time for a mid-season trade period where a window is open for a few weeks where clubs that need to fix their issues in season can do so and some other clubs that might want to get ahead of the game and get some extra draft picks can do it. There's certainly mechanisms to make it work. People talk about the salary cap and things. You're only going to have to pay a player's wage for five months from about this period on till the end of October. Uh, They can either add it to this year's salary cap or can add it into next year's. You agree it's time? I think as like as fans of the game and the interest it would generate in what what can at times be a bit of a flat part of the season, I think it would be fantastic. So it, it allows players to be able to shift. It, it provides opportunity for guys that might whose careers might be stalling and they're just really paddling out the next ten weeks of uh, of their their time at their current club before they get delisted. So yeah, absolutely. I think I think free it up, open it up. I think the one caveat would have to be is. Yeah, okay, that, it can't all be the player's way. So if we're going to do it, I think it's also time for players to be able to tra- be traded without consent. I, I think you, you can't have it both ways. So I think the clubs need to be able to find a win as well as the players. So I'll do it, but 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 um, there has to be a lever for the clubs to be able to pull. Yeah, I think there's opportunity. I mean, you, you, just some ideas that you bounce around and not saying these players would want to leave or there's any any talk they will, but guys like, say, Adam Tomlinson at Melbourne, who's been there for a, a while now, Rui, he's always the perennial backup at the Demons, not getting a look in. Sydney Swans desperate for a key defender. They say, we want to play finals this year. Can we trade for an Adam Tomlinson? A team like um, Carlton, who needs some creativity and class in their forward half, might ask for Chad Winger from Hawthorne and the Hawks get an extra draft pick. Carlton can try and fix some of their, their woes in front of the ball. Um, you know, a Paddy Dow who can't get a game at Carlton because of the inside midfielders already there. Another club that want to add a midfielder, you know, and he's dominating VFL footy. You can get him pretty easily. I think it's something we should definitely look at and I wouldn't be surprised if it comes in as early as next year. Any concern about the integrity of the competition and sides down the bottom just having fire sales to make sure that they, they don't win games? Well, there'd be, you've got to have some mechanism in place, but I think that's an, a competitive advantage. The teams that are yep. down the bottom need extra draft picks. So if they can use um, some um, pressures on clubs that are desperate to try and make a play to win a flag and they're missing one piece, well, it's a win-win. The clubs that are, are in the race where we get a player that they need to try and have a crack at winning a flag because we know that when you're in that window, you only have a certain amount of years yeah. to have a crack, so they might as well go all out to try and top up. And the teams down the bottom, we've spoken about it, need extra support. The draft is not enough for them at the moment to rise as quickly as we would like, so they can get extra draft picks. They could probably get overvalue for them because, as we said, clubs with the pressures of trying to win a premiership might pay over. I think it's a win-win for everybody, and I'm sure it'll come in pretty soon. Hey, let's get into our final segment that we'd love to play on a Tuesday, Real Talk 
shit talk. These are some of the comments and quotes from others in the media that we are then going to pass on and say whether we think we buy it or whether we think it's a load of crap. First one came from John O'Brown last night on the couch. He suggested the Sydney Swans should look to acquire Harry Mackay as their next big key forward. So they've gone from Lockett, Barry Hall, Franklin's in his last year. Should they go after Harry Mackay? They've done it in the past, get blokes to turn around their form and become superstars because he does look a bit off at the Blues at the moment. Uh, look, I, th- I think it's real talk to a certain extent. It depends how highly they value Logan McDonald internally. Mm. Um, because if I'm Sydney, I'm looking at him and, and, and what he's done when Buddy Franklin hasn't been there. And I'm thinking, gee, I'm not sure we need to go and pay a massive price for Harry Mackay, who's, who's got warts, let's be honest. Um, particularly at the moment, he's, he's really, really struggling. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think... I think you could do it. You could make the move and go after him. But, gee, I'd be pretty confident in what, I'd, what I've got at my disposal in Logan McDonald. I think he's going to be an absolute beauty when he's sort of given the keys to the car and, and allowed to be the, the, the main man in the Ford line. Um, what about you? Would, you? would you make the move? I'd make it if I was Carlton. If I could get, if I could get enough for him, I'd, I'd pull the trigger. Yeah, I think everyone's got to be open to ideas. I, I think clubs aren't creative enough with their list management. I think more clubs should do more and change it around. Like American uh, sports, really, I think we uh, just we stick a bit too much to our what we've already got rather than be creative, and I think that applies to our coaches and our list managers. I think clubs should do a bit more. Just a quick one, Harry Mackay. You, you notice that he certainly looks like he's mentally in, in a bit of a uh, spot at the moment, particularly in front of goal. What would what would be your advice, or what would you do if you were the coach of Carlton at the moment with Harry? Oh, look, I, I think you got to try and free him up a little bit. I, I absolutely subscribe to the model of having to work through it. I've, I've faced similar stretches where um, you know you, you were just mentally shot in front of goal. So I went I went through a, a, a you know bad period there, but was able to work work my way out of it, which was which which was good. But um, I think if as a coach, if you can make his life a little bit easier because at the moment he, he's he's showing up to games. I know exactly how he'd be feeling and he'd that's all he'd be thinking about is when I get it, what am I going to do with it? So put him in a different situation. I'd, I'd throw him into the ruck for patches. I'd, I'd even give him a run on the wing at times just to try and free him up a little bit mentally. And, I mean, if he drifts forward as a winger and takes him, it's, it's almost like there's a different expectation placed on his shot for goal, if he's done it as a ruckman or as a winger, I know mm. that sounds strange, but but I'd I'd be doing that. But ultimately, he, he's a goal kicker. He's got to find a way to to grind through it. So I, I wouldn't be dropping him. I'd I'd be keeping him in the team, but I'd be finding little moments just to, just to free him up within games as as much as I possibly could. Now, I don't mind your thoughts on Harry. I would I wonder just thinking, listening to you, Rue, whether maybe Mitch McGovern and Harry Mackay should just do a swap, straight swap for one week. Yeah. Because Mitch McGovern is freezing as a defender at the moment. Harry Mackay's freezing as a forward. Flip them. See if Harry Mackay can take six intercept marks and Mitch McGovern, who's capable of it, can kick three or four goals. Give the Blues a chance to beat Melbourne on Friday night. And speaking of Harry Mackay, really, he will be addressing his goal-kicking woes on the Ben and Harry podcast. So him and his brother have a podcast. That will be on the listener app releasing tomorrow. So that will be must-listen to find out how he addresses his goal-kicking woes, which clearly are in his head at the moment. Hey, one more before we go, Rue, real talk, shit talk. The Gold Coast Suns should play more home games in Darwin. So they played on the weekend. They're staying up there for another week. Make it a competitive advantage. Build their supporter base, which we, you know, talk about how they're going on the Gold Coast and the support there. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think it is an advantage for them. So if they can find a way to capitalise on that on the field, I'm not sure of, of the commercial arrangement, but I'd imagine it would be a pretty good one for them to play up there as well. We know, like, you go up to these venues, whether they're Cairns or Darwin or even playing in Queensland mm. at night in the middle of winter, it is like playing with a cake of soap. Yep. It gets so slippery and hard to handle that footy. And, and if the Gold Coast boys are up there all year and training with it and playing with it, well, then it stands to reason that they would be – better equipped to handle those conditions. So, yep, absolutely. Turn it into advantage, an advantage if you can. And, um, you know, the boys might not like going up there, but, you know, it's all in the eye of the beholder. What Hawthorne did with, with Launceston, do the same thing, Gold Coast. That's it. Make it a fortress. Hey, Rui, love having you on the show as always, mate. Go and uh, hit the shower and get ready for bed over there. Game seven of the basketball yeah. about to start soon. Massive. What about game six, Massive. by the way? Unbelievable. What about Miami that finish? Boston. This series is amazing. You go to get ready, put your dressing gown on and watch that. We'll yeah, uh, finish up tomorrow. Abby Holmes will be with Sam Jacobs. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of Footy Talk. Listener.